Well, I think one of the most interesting things to me is that when we talk about our faith and when we talk about really being someone who wants to follow Jesus and and be in an intimate relationship with him, many times we can't figure out how that actually applies to our work. And so we have our faith life and then we have our work life. And today we're going to figure out how we can put those two things together. Now, it's interesting. um, I was actually speaking back at my home church in January. And if you remember January, that's when Moneyball was happening. How many of you guys remember Moneyball? Two of you. Okay. (laughs) Do you guys remember $1.6 billion was available for somebody who was going to win? I know because everybody was talking about it, this Moneyball thing. Who's going to win it? And what would you do if you had $1.6 million? It was hilarious. So since that was going on, I asked every service back at Kensington, our church in Detroit, I said, what would you do if you won $1.6 billion? Really? You know what everybody said? Yeah, they'd quit their job. Exactly. (laughs) They would quit their job. And I'm like, What a perfect setup for today. So here's what's interesting. Why is it that if we actually had $1.6 million, one of the first things we think about is, oh, man, I don't have to work anymore. And I quit my job. I don't know. Maybe we had some bad experiences with our jobs. I I immediately think back to my, you guys remember your first job ever? So I was so grateful. My dad was awesome. He, he really was a man faithful in work. We used to heat our whole home with wood, so we had to cut wood all, uh, all uh, fall before the winter came. We had huge gardens that we had to weed all summer. I mean, we, we worked all the time. So I had a kind of a work ethic put inside of me. But my first job was before I could even drive. I was like 14 years old, and I was an umpire for Little League Baseball. Yes, some of you have seen Little League baseball games. And I want to tell you what, man, parents, which I am one of now, so I understand. But I'm telling you, man, there was one day if my mom had not shown up, I would not be standing here today. She rescued me from them. They're livid. It was unbelievable. And then I moved all the way from being an umpire to Burger King. All right? Anybody else work in a fast food restaurant? So let me tell you a little bit about Burger King. I actually struggled there too. My football coach actually got me the job. And I remember my manager, I don't think he liked the fact that this guy was able to pull some strings and get me in there. He was always watching me. Even if I was mopping the floors, he'd stand at the counter and make sure that I did everything right. So I always just felt really tense when I was working. And one day, the lobby all of a sudden just exploded with people. And so when that happens, here's how Burger King works, is you have this conveyor belt that actually goes through the fire. So they are actually charcoal-fired grill. They are. So, but when all these people came in, these orders just started flooding me. And you take the box, and you have to mark what it is, and you got it. I had so many boxes laid down. I'm flipping burgers on the, on the conveyor belt, and I don't know why this happened, but for some reason, the conveyor bar, belt started going too fast through the fire. So I'm standing on the other end, And these patties came out, and at best, they were thawed. (laughs) And I'm freaking out because i got to get all these things out, so you know what I did? I just wrapped them up thawed and sent them out. (laughs) I am so sorry (laughs) for anybody who got those. And praise God, nobody came back, man. Nobody came back. Oh, All right, so maybe that's why. I can see why $1.6 billion. I don't have to work anymore. That might be a good thing. So here's what's interesting, though. The amount of time we spend working, it's actually a third of our life. 
is spent at work. 260 weekdays in a year. If you do eight hours a day, that's 2,080 hours. If you work a normal 40-hour week for 40 years, which would be pretty normal, it's 83,200 hours are spent at work. This is a huge part of our life. And what's interesting is work actually sometimes defines us, right? When you meet someone, what's the first thing you say? Yeah, what do you do? Why is that the first question? Because many times we feel like what we do is who we are. And so work also, for many of you, is really, really important because you're getting your identity from that. Oftentimes, though, our work isn't very defined. And sometimes we go, why am I even doing this? What's my whole purpose in work? Now, the definition of work is this. It's to be engaged in physical or mental activity in order to achieve a purpose or a result. To have purpose that creates a result. Now, here's some good news. God has some great insight for us about work. All right? And that's what we're going to do. Today, we're going to ask God what his views of work are for our lives. What are we supposed to be doing with these 83,200 hours? All right? So let's start. Let's just jump right into some of these principles. The first one is this, that great work is actually divine. Mo, would you throw me a water bottle real quick? Great work is divine. Thank you. So right in the beginning, chapter 1 of the Bible, right? You dive right in. Genesis chapter 1. By the way, when people are trying to learn the Bible, you know, usually I say, they'll be like, how should I read the Bible? And I always say, don't read it like a book. Don't start at the beginning and just keep going. Genesis is kind of cool. There's some neat stories. Exodus. It's got some great stuff. Then you get to Leviticus, and you're done. (laughs) You go, that Bible makes no sense to me whatsoever. But if you do start in Genesis 1, what you're going to see is that God created And the cool thing is, when God created, it was what? It was good. He creates, it's good. He creates, it's good. What does it mean when something is good? The very word means when something's good, it gives pleasure. It actually satisfies. And doesn't God's creation, is it not good? It is unbelievable. Good also can mean it's beautiful, it's excellent, When something is good, it actually produces something. It's productive. We say, man, that is a really good whatever, because it works, because it produces something. So when God created, it produced something that was always good. Genesis 2 says this, by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day, and he made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. You need to understand something about work. It's divine to work. It is in the very essence of God. It's who he is. It's part of what he does. It's part of his character to work. That's why one of my favorite verses has been John 5, 17. Jesus says, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So that's that's part of the nature of God. It's actually divine. It's within his nature. So Christianity 
What is this? What is, what is Christianity? What is the message? The message of Jesus is that God has been seeking human beings to reconcile them back to himself so we could have a relationship with each other. So he sends Jesus so that we can be reconciled back to him so tight with God that he actually puts his spirit inside us and our spirits become one with his. Now, if that's what Christianity is and the very spirit of God is to work, then when we get reconciled back to God, if our lives are reconciled back to God and our spirits are united with him, we will what? Work and it will be good work you guys you got to understand this for tomorrow morning it's divine number two then god's that the great work is actually god's plan so if we're saying the first thing i would do if i won 1.6 billion dollars is i'd quit working and yet that's god's plan then we're going to miss we're missing something here about the understanding of work Genesis 1 says, God said, let us create man in our image. And then in chapter 2, he says, the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to care for it. So you guys, we were actually created in the image of God who works. That's part of what he does. And then when he created us, he goes, I'm putting you in the Garden of Eden to work it. Now, this is very important to understand. This was all actually before the fall. See, most of us probably think, man, sin entered the world, now i got to work. <laughs> but that's not the case. There's something divine. It was actually God's plan for us to work. Listen to this. Somehow, fulfillment in our lives will only happen when work is involved. We're created for that. It's divine. Those 83,200 hours are God's idea. So tomorrow morning, when you wake up and you go to work, I'm hoping our whole mindset's going to change. You're going to go to work and go, sweet, this is God's idea. He created me for this. I love Ecclesiastes 5.18 says, here's what I've seen to be good and fitting, to eat, to drink, and to enjoy oneself in all one's labor." in which he toils under the sun during the few days, years of life, which God has given him. For this is his, say the word with me. What is it? Reward. It's a reward. Now, you've got to understand, again, good, beautiful, productive, excellent. See, our attitude can change toward work when we understand all this. We can shift it and go, man, this is a good thing, actually, to be doing this. And then, when it says it is fitting, that word actually means beautiful and handsome. <laughs> it's like when you are finding enjoyment in your work, this is a really beautiful, good thing. And then the reward that he says, it actually means a portion or a share. In other words, God goes, man, when you work and toil under the sun and you enjoy that and you are producing good stuff with your work, he goes, I give you a share, a portion. It's a reward. And I believe your share and your portion is in him. You're actually walking with God when you work well. That's what he does. If work is divine... 
if it's his plan for us, if his spirit is now joined with my spirit in my work, now we go to number three. And this is so important to understand. This is, I think, what can help us tomorrow morning. The great work is always for another. Great work is always for another. Years ago, I read an author who wrote right after World War II in England. And it was a fascinating uh, insight into work during that time. Because when the war was actually happening, everybody was working, right? Everybody had to pitch in. And what was interesting is everybody was pitching in for the country. They actually had a huge purpose to work. So when you went to work during the war in England, you were like, man, I'm important. What I'm doing is really important for our soldiers out there, for our community, for our country. So everyone was all in. But then when the war ended, and now all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, that's done. And now I'm going to go get a job. What for? So here we are, right? We're all sitting here happy happy and fat right now in America. What do you do your work for? And so this gal was really challenging in this. She said, do you do it for money? Do you work for money so that you can live the lifestyle that you want to live? Do you work for prestige? Because we're all, right, we're in America. It's all about climbing the ladder. And the higher you are up on the ladder, the more prestige you have, which means you're more valuable. So are you working to somehow prove that you have value and worth? Are you working so that you can find personal fulfillment? Are you looking to your job to somehow make you happy and to make you completely fulfilled? Which, by the way, there's this word for that when you look for something to completely fulfill you. It's called idolatry. When you look to anything above God to be the thing that fully makes you complete and satisfied and whole. So the question was, she was just going, okay, so we're done working for another, for our country. Now we're going to go get jobs. She goes, what are you going to work for? And her point was, don't stop working to, or let's put it this way, continue to work to contribute to the world. Continue to have a mindset, I'm going to work to bless somebody. I'm going to work actually to serve someone. Because what a beautiful way, you guys, to express the nature of God. Because God is never, right? What the, one of the greatest things we saw about Jesus is Jesus was never doing things so that he could be fully satisfied. See, he was so full of love and power within himself that he was completely free to always live for another. What a great way tomorrow morning when you wake up and go to work, you could express the nature of God because you're not doing this for yourself. You're not doing it for your benefit. You're doing it for another. And that's actually your fulfillment. See, then you can love your work. So let's look at three people. Number one, great work is for God. Great work. It's always for another. Here's what you need to remember tomorrow morning. Great work is for God. Look at Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Now, this is a great scripture for all of you who are going to go to work tomorrow morning and you hate your boss. 
or you hate your work environment. So you need to remember, well, wait a second, who are you working for? See, if you actually work for God, then it changes everything. So Christians in this room, if we're Christians, working for him with all of our heart, in sync with his spirit. So if God's spirit's in my spirit and I go to work tomorrow morning, then again, when I work, I'm going to give it all that I have, right? With all your heart, you're going to work tomorrow for God. And then if you do that, guess what? And if you're in sync with God and you give everything you've got tomorrow morning at work, your work will be good. And the cool thing then is when God works, it's good. He's in you. You do it for him, not yourself, not the paycheck, not your prestige, not fulfillment. And you know what's going to happen? All of a sudden, everybody else in your workplace is going to be going, what's up with you? Why aren't you complaining anymore? Right? Because we like to complain about our work. Why aren't you joining us at the water cooler so we can talk about other people anymore? Why are you giving it all you've got? You guys, that can, that's your faith. Change that. Remember this. Do everything you do with all you've got for another. Great work is for God. Number two, great work is for your family. Great work is for your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says this. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? Now, why would he say that? Because if the nature of God is to work in whose image you were created, and he, and again, you're a Christian, so God's inside of you, it's like, sure, I guess, if you didn't have God inside of you, you could say, hey, I'm working and I don't need to care for my family. But he's like, no, great work is always for another. And so God created, right? When he created everything and it was good, who was it good for? It's actually good for us. I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by his creation. All the five senses he gave us, what we get to see, what we get to feel, what we get to smell, what we get to taste, Right? <laughs> What we get to hear, God did that for us. And so when you work, you realize, no, you know what? I'm going to work for another. There's a guy who told me, his dad, um, when, he, when his, his work was actually a plumber in a factory. <laughs> and he told me, his dad told him, he's like, I can just tell you right now, Danny, I didn't sit there and go, man, God, if I could do anything in the world, I would just love to be this plumber in this factory. But he goes, you know what? He goes, I did it, and he, this guy did it faithfully for years because he blessed his family. That's godly. So work for another. Great works for another. It's for God. It's for your family. Number three, and this is the one that most transforms some of my thinking. Great work is for humankind. Great work is for humankind. Philippians 2, 3, 4 says this. Do nothing, okay? So if we're going to say do nothing, I want you to think about work, Right? Don't work out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. So tomorrow morning, why are you working? Is it for you? If it's for you, 
There's something not divine about that. God fills us up to set us free from ourselves. So now, finally, I can actually think of the interests of others. Great work is for others. Martin Luther King said this. He goes, all labor that uplifts humanity has dignity and importance and should be undertaken with painstaking excellence. It's a great phrase. So if God is always at work and so is Jesus, I've often thought, what are they doing? (laughs) Do you ever wonder that? Like, well, if you're always working, what are you doing? Well, Jesus makes it clear, man, God is always working to redeem the world. That's what God does. He saw a need. He saw the need of humanity. Humanity won't follow me. They don't love me with all of their heart. They're completely separate. So he saw the need, and so he sent Jesus as a savior of our sin to meet that need, to be a sacrifice, to take the punishment for our sin, to set us free from sin, to give us a new heart so we could actually follow God. See, God saw a need, and so he met it. That's what God does. He's doing that all the time. So can I just, I'm just going to take a side second here for a moment. What does our world need right now? In light of the past events of this week, I'm telling you, we live in a world that's in need. And I'm telling you this, man, God is looking down on the brokenness of this nation, and he cares. He's working. I can tell you right now, he's working. And here's what, so so we've all seen it. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it right now, right? We're seeing Black Lives Matter. We're seeing all lives matter. I saw a post yesterday when Jesus was here. He was saying, you know, Jewish lives matter. Women's lives matter. Children's lives matter. Every, okay, it's true. And we're hearing that don't take sides, right? Amen to that? Don't take sides. But we have to, if we're going to be like Jesus, we have to actually care about everyone. And I want to tell you, man, in Ephesians chapter 1, It says that God has revealed the mystery of his will, which he purposed in Christ. Why did Jesus Christ, the purpose of Jesus Christ, coming to this earth and dying on the cross? He goes, you know why I did that? The verse goes on, it says, to unite everything under Jesus Christ. The very purpose of God is unity. It's oneness with God. And therefore, by the power of his Holy Spirit, who's in us, we can actually be one with each other. So that is it, man. So if God's coming inside of us, that's what he's doing. He sees a need, and he goes, I'm going to meet it. That's what I'm working towards. And now he lives inside of us, and he says, come on, church. Let's go meet some needs. Now, that is work that is good and productive and beautiful. So let's take it right. Let's go back to work now. What do entrepreneurs do? Entrepreneurs, they see a need that isn't being met, and they figure out a way to meet it. Some of you in your workplace, you're not an entrepreneur, but you can see stuff. It's not working very well. And you have ideas of ways to make it better. So you do your best always for the benefit of another. And here's what this woman was saying in England. She said, come on, you guys. We had purpose. We were all engaged in work for the country. 
We were all engaged in work for each other. Don't slip back into the attitude of how do I find something that will fulfill me. Don't slip back into the attitude of work is about my own personal fulfillment. It's all about me. Hey, you guys, you want to have a critical spirit at work? Think that work is supposed to completely satisfy you. Think that work is supposed to be your ultimate fulfillment. And the next thing you know, if you try to find the perfect place that meets all your needs, now you're making it all about you. And that's very, very frustrating. So, great work is always for humankind. All right, now, last one. Great work is redeemed by God. Great work can be redeemed by God. Your heart for tomorrow morning at your workplace can, can be completely transformed by God. This is what he does. So again, let's think about this. Genesis 1. God works. He creates. It's really good. Then all of a sudden, sin enters the world. Now, and what happens is all of a sudden, after sin enters the world, he says, now your work is going to be toilsome. So he always created us to work. He goes, but now it's going to be really hard. And it's going to be very toilsome. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Now, why would that be the result of sin? Because what is sin at its core? Sin at its core is when it's all about you. Okay? Sin is what took our hearts and bent them in like this. And they said, okay, I'm thinking about one thing, and that's me. And I think about me more than I think about God. And I think about me more than I think about everybody else. That is what Jesus had to rescue us from. And here's what happened. As soon as human beings got separated from God and they started doing work on their own, now your work starts to define you. Everything becomes about performance now. And when it becomes about performance, it's huge. What do you do? What position do you have? How much do you make? Are you valuable? See, our identity now gets wrapped up in our performance and how others feel about us, and that's the way of the world, you guys. It messes everything up. And I'm telling you, it gets toilsome. Because now all of a sudden, there's stress. There's pressure. You better do really good, or you could lose it. And if you lose it, you lose your very identity. So we start to look towards work to fulfill us instead of God. Now, when we do this, and we say, you know what, I can do this. I don't need God. Man, all of a sudden, it becomes such a mess. And here's the problem. If you're good at work, if you're good at what you do, that often leads to pride, and you actually think you're better than everybody else. And you know what that does? That messes up humanity. And if you're not very good at work, then you feel really ashamed, and you, just, and you lose your courage and your strength to go for it, and that's not good for humanity. Either way, you get caught up in yourself. Either, man, look at me, or look at me. It's a, it's a no win. Jesus came to restore things to the way they were originally meant to be. And you know what it was meant to be? We were supposed to work not to find our value, but because we knew we were valuable. See, before work happened, before sin, 
It was like they were so tight with God, so filled with God's love, they had no need to prove anything because they knew that God absolutely loved them. They didn't need a position to esteem themselves because they were esteemed by the very king. This is what, it, it, and it will change everything, you guys. Look at this. James 3, 14 says this. If you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. It is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where, now think about your workplace. For where, let's talk about work. You have envy and selfish ambition. There you find disorder and every kind of evil practice. <laughs> How many of you have seen some evil practice at work? You know, man, it's stemming somehow because of selfish, and bitter, selfish ambition and bitter envy. So what happens in workplaces now? Competition, immoral behavior, cheating, stealing, cheap products. Does anybody else hate cheap products? I mean, sometimes when you eat something, you just want to go, what was that? I am so grateful for whoever tastes things at Costco, right? I don't know who they are, but God bless them. They know how to create good stuff. Let's talk about toilet paper for a second. It's actually got to be harder to make it that thin, right? You just want to go, did you not try this before you sent it out on the market? Okay, we'll just stop right there. But seriously, if you're filled with the Spirit of God, guess what? You don't do cheap work. You don't half-bake it. You're not playing around on the computer when you're not supposed to. It's, God filled me up, man. This is divine. And I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it for his glory. I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it because everything I do somehow blesses another human being. Philippians 2, 5 through 7 says, In your relationships within one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to use, poor, I'm sorry, to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. You guys, the glory, the glory of Jesus, who we follow, who lives inside of us, is that he was a servant. The highest place is when you're the servant of all. And so Christian, if you're a Christian here today, and if you're wondering, why in the world would I want to become a Christian? Because Jesus can set you free from this consumption with yourself. He can set you free from the stress that gives, from the, the anxiety it gives, from the pressure that it gives. Not only that, but then he can set you free to actually care and work and live and love everybody else around you. He emptied himself took on a nature of a servant, a person who, and you know what a nature of a servant is? A servant is someone who performs a duty for another. Jesus is in us, man. Man, Lord, would you fill me up tomorrow morning on Monday? Would you help me to walk in and go, I am gonna live for the glory of God, man. I'm gonna put everybody else above me because I don't need to be esteemed because I already am. I don't need to find my value in this because I'm ridiculously valuable. I'm so loved by God. I want to tell you what, man. If you live like that, that's a great boss, isn't it? That's a great employee. That's a great store, great business. It's, a, it's my insurance agent, man. He's awesome. Martin Luther King says this. Change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, but it comes through continuous struggle. 
So we must straighten our backs and work for our freedom. Listen, listen to this. A man can't ride you unless your back is bent. A man can't ride you unless your back is bent. This world, your workplace, needs people filled with Jesus whose backs are bent, whose knees are bowed, who walk in and go, I am thinking about you, and I can't wait to make this the best workplace ever. And let's create the best product for whatever it is that we're serving people with. Tell you what, man, you want, you want to know God? You're going to spend 83,200 hours at work. Are you going to leave him at home? You, you want to just check him out on, on Sunday for an hour? Bring him in to your work. Let him change your attitude and your heart. Do it for him. Do it for your family. Do it for mankind. You'll be free and you'll bless everybody else.